What is up, my friends? Welcome to Rebel and Create's Fatherhood Field Notes podcast, where I interview incredible fathers, gaining wisdom from their stories for you and I to grow in our craft. I'm your guide, Ned Shout, father to five kiddos, currently ages 10 to 16, and husband to my rad wife, Sarah, working on our 19th year of marriage. So yep, I'm in the thick of it, the adventure of fatherhood, and I'm working daily to rebel against the low expectations for fathers and create a world where fathers know who they are as they show up for their families. You and I have the greatest opportunity to impact our world through the way we embrace our fatherhood role. I believe the role of the father is to serve, guide, provide, protect, and of course, have fun in the messiness of it all. I'm so excited for you to meet today's guest, Dr. Kelly Flanagan. I wanted to say something about how this is going to have huge impact on your life, but I really just didn't have any words. The reality is this is going to open up a window and a door to your soul. It's going to open up opportunity for you to continue to discover the person that you are, to create space, to go on an adventure, to enjoy the joy of life. This is really important for you to hear if you are on the journey of becoming you. Enjoy meeting my friend, Dr. Kelly Flanagan. My friends, welcome to Fatherhood Field Notes. You are catching me at a unique moment. I could cry or I could laugh. I've got uh, Dr. Kelly Flanagan on the podcast. What's up, Dr. Kelly? How are you? And it's great to be here, man. I'm doing all right. <laughs> Dude, so like as I'm talking to you, I have so many feels. I literally just finished The Unhiding of Elijah Campbell, your book. Um, and I, maybe I'm going to share with you how I finished it, but I just sure. finished it. And I will just out the onset, you know, before we hit record, everybody, I'm asking like, should we make this about me and how I'm feeling and talking about <laughs> your book? Or do we just, you know, not and we're not, but we'll see what happens. But um, in reading it, one a couple times, well, one time out loud, I said the F word. So mm. it's like it like this moment of you just do your storytelling abilities. I'm like, mm. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> F. And that's and I wouldn't say that that's necessarily normal, but like, like, right. damn, that was was not expecting that. And then there are times where I literally laughed out loud, which I mm. wouldn't, I mean, I probably read, I don't, I'm probably gonna sound like I probably read a hundred books in the last mm-hmm. 18 months. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I don't laugh. I'm not laughing out loud. So laughed out loud. And then as I end it, I'm like, I'm in tears. So mm. anyways, wow. freaking amazing. Really, really, really amazing. Thank you. Yeah, man. What a blessing. I mean, I've heard some, I've heard feedback from people. I've never yeah. gotten to be with somebody like right in the moments where they mm. finished it. And the end of that book is 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 hitting their soul and so what an honor to kind of get to be here and bear witness to that with you i'll 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 carry this forward with me for a long time thank you so what's so cool about it it just for anybody who's who is gonna you know bless their lives by reading this book um i listened to it on audio for for Mm -hmm. a majority of the last like 10 chapters because i'm trying Mm -hmm. to like okay i'm meeting with you today And then as I'm doing it, I pull out the book to read the last chapter and it was different. Like when I read the words with my eyes, Mm. that's when I started to cry because like I had to put myself in that last scene. Mm. And, um, and, and I guess I'll share this with you because this is the thing I didn't, well, two things I want to share with you that I don't want to miss for people. One is this should be you know, like you got required reading when you're a junior in 
you know, or a senior or you're this year of college, there's this required reading. Now I'm 39 years old, 40 is approaching (laughs) next July. And, um, this should be required reading for like that stage, like maybe even Mm. sooner, but like 39 to 40. Like, I feel like in some aspects I'm becoming an adult right now. Mm. And there's a couple other pieces I could share with you about what that even means. But dude, maybe it's required reading for your thirties. It's for your thirties. Yeah, dude. I think that's, that resonates. Like, yeah. I, I wish I, I wish I could have read it a little earlier in my 30s. Okay, I guess. Yeah, you're right. It's like, if I would have had this at maybe at 29, I wasn't ready. Ned wasn't mm-hmm. ready, but at like mm-hmm. 31 to 34, I probably would have been ready to take some of those things to make me think about things that I've had to uncover the last four years. It's somewhere, it's somewhere in your thirties, almost always where the things that you, that you started to do to get by, to deal with your life to deal with your pain, they quit working, mm. right? And they start mm-hmm. to backfire and they start to create more suffering than they're preventing. And somewhere in your thirties, it seems like that happens. And, uh, and that, that's what this book is about is do you double down on those things to try to keep getting, just getting by, or do you begin to release some of those old, old patterns of surviving and, and find better ones, you know? So, um, yeah, thirties, man. So here we go. I'm going to make this about me for a minute and then we'll just jump into my normal podcast. Um, but I think it's probably healthy for people because if you're listening to this, you're probably a, you, you should be a dad, uh, trying to find yourself so that you can best love your wife and your kids and yourself. That's, that's why you're here. I'm assuming if not, then I don't know why you're here, but I'm going to share this with you. So the part in the book about what is your security, <clears throat> my security, and I'm sharing this for a reason is control and judgment. Okay. Yes. And I realize that those are control and judgment. So when I'm halfway through the book, I already wrote down, I'm going to share this with Kelly, Mm -hmm. um, that when I have, I've seen you maybe at three events, had very light Mm -hmm. interaction with you, but you've shared stories where I automatically judged you (laughs) (laughs) to go, this guy's the marriage guru. This guy's got the marriage Mm -hmm. conference. How is that the case? Because you are comfortable in your skin, not to say you have it figured out, mm. but that you are in it, you're living it. But but right. but that doesn't mean that you can't have the mission to improve other marriages, although you would be open enough to share ah, whatever you might share that would lead me yeah. to judge you because I haven't. So here's I haven't been vulnerable enough. And that's why I think I haven't fully stepped into my role. Um, and I share that to go. I want to share a couple of things. I woke up this morning at 4 a.m. to re- to finish your book. I would have loved to show up and be like, dude, I read your book. It was amazing. Um, like I finished it a week ago and that I had all the time <laughs> in the world to do it. But I got up at 4 a.m. I went on a one hour walk and I'm like, okay, I got four mm. hours left of the audio. Went on an hour walk, listen, went to the gym, listen to it. Listen to it on my way to go to my daughter's school, who we had to have a talk with the principal because she got in trouble at school. Mm. Okay. So then I'm coming back here. I'm like, okay, I got half an hour left. I'm finishing it. I'm listening in the audio. I go in my bathroom to uh to pee so I can like knock a few things out before I sit down with you. And the toilet has a sticky note on it that says that don't use <laughs> toilets clogged. So I open it and I'm like, oh shit, like really. Oh shit. And so then no I go find anyway. Yeah, dude, this is 15 minutes ago. Go find a plunger uh-huh. and plunge in the toilet so I can pee. And I share this all 
because I think I want to more regularly be open and honest. And mm. and I think that that's how people will connect with me more is like, I finished this book while plunging the toilet, going on a walk, going to the gym, right going on. to my daughter's school to right freaking on. talk to the principal about stupid stuff. Um, and I think that that's what I'm learning from you, not just in reading this, mm. but in watching the little bits of your life that I've seen is to believe so strong in the mission, but not allow your belief in the mission to deter you being yourself. Mm, yeah. And you know, I've, I tried, I tried to be the expert for, for years and it always backfired on me. <laughs> like it just like, uh, try to try to get some respect from your, your, your wife and your kids when you're leading with, I'm the expert in mm-hmm. marriage and family, you know, it just doesn't work. Um, and well, there's one of my coping mechanisms, right? One of my security strategies is the expert, mm-hmm. you know? And, um, and so I try to let go of that. It creeps back in. Um, I had to fight it hard last night. We had a couple tough, you know, tough situations with kids last night. And, uh, you know, the expert wanted to creep in and have his authority and control, you know, mm-hmm. and, uh, I just have to watch that now and, and release that urge all over again. Um, so yeah, man, I'm in it with you. Um, and I don't, um, I'm, I'm, I'm less and less attracted to, to arriving somewhere <laughs> and just more and more interested in sort of journeying with everybody. So, um, blessing to be here with you and journeying, man. So do you find that when you don't fall into your security mechanisms, that your fear of whatever that fear was that, you know, people are going to think you're a fraud or people aren't going to respect you, I guess would be too, or mm-hmm. people aren't going to love you, which could be yeah. even deeper. Do you find that that it really goes away or that even if they were to not give you what it is that, I don't know, you're desiring that you're not needing that because you let go mm. of it? I mean, that's, that's the, the joyful thing you, you start to find out is, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you this, a story that isn't mine. Nick Santa Nastazo, you heard that name? No. Um, young young man born um, with a condition that has resulted in him having uh, no legs mm. and one arm with one finger on it. And we were at a fan abundance event, and he told a story about getting on a on a plane, Southwest flight, gets to board early. Um, flight attendant gets him set up with a window seat, says, "Sir, it's going to be real busy." And uh, <clears throat> So you're gonna have you're gonna have guests here sitting next to you soon. You're in a great seat, so get yourself comfortable. Other uh, travelers start to board, and they they see him, and they walk past him to worse seats, right? And he was telling the story to us. He said, "I looked out the window, and I was crying because I, I was looking out the window because I didn't want anybody to see how ashamed I was." And then this voice sort of welled up inside of me, and it said, "Nick, your body isn't working against you; it's working for you. It's weeding out the people that you don't want in your life, mm. right?" Dude, to surround yourself, to for for me to surround myself with people who need me to be Dr. Kelly all the time, you know that perfect uh, sort of image. Yes, can you, can you feel how exhausting that is right now? Yes, <laughs> like right. And so, um, so when I give into that temptation to lead with that persona, I'm actually attracting people who need me to be that, and I am um, allotting a certain amount of my energy to to having to be that, and uh, and so to get to just to, to be me on the journey as well. Um, and to attract people who appreciate that and are excited to journey with me. 
like all of a sudden the energy starts to multiply rather than drain. So, um, so like Nick, you know, it's like my, my mess is sort of working for me. It's not working against me. It's attracting to me, the people I want to sit next to me on the plane of life, you know, dude. Ah, that's really good. That is so good. Uh, for all of you listening, clearly there is so much here for you. I would highly before, you know, if you finish this or you don't to go pick up Dr. Kelly's book. Um, I think that it is life transformational. Um, there's like 10 people I'm already going to buy this book for, but there's a lot here. Um, and it isn't a one-time read. It is like a go and kind of do some life with it. Um, so, so thank you for that. And thank you for the story. And I'm sure more will come up. Um, but I'm going to, I'm going to kind of shift us and see where we go. Thanks for getting the book finished, even though the toilet was clogged. Dude, I got it. <laughs> I got it done. <laughs> uh, but right. I will read the last, uh, probably 20 chapters again. Um, right on. Man. Uh, Thank you, dude. So you're an incredible storyteller. So I know when I saw you last, I've got this book inside me that I, I want to do, but man, yeah. and I, when I say like, Oh, you're a great storyteller, like magic. Like there's this, mm-hmm. this, this will transform lives. And it is magical the way that you communicate the story mm-hmm. and bring somebody in, dude, it's so good. Mm-hmm. It's so good. And that's not <laughs> me needing you to be uh amazing author, Dr. Kelly. That's just me saying this was, this was incredible. It's a gift you have. Um, Can I encourage you writer to writer real quickly as a, somebody yeah. who has a story and whom he wants to tell? Um, I, I, that the book you read was fully revised from page one to the, to the last page, at least a dozen times before it got to you. So like the key for me, the writing, I just finished the first draft of my second novel, sent it into my publisher. The key for me to writing is, uh, Anne Lamott said it, she writes it at the top of every, of every draft, shitty first drafts, just, just get it out. It's going to be crap, but just get it out. And then in the revisions, you can make it beautiful you know so that, that's my encouragement to you is is um you you probably uh the, the the capacity for storytelling comes in reworking it over mm. and over again so encouragement to you man love it yeah no love it thank you thank you um yeah i think this is like five years out but it's like i see it in my mind like sure. a movie and i just write notes uh-huh. down every once in a while um all right dr kelly how old do you find <laughs> yourself today <laughs> I will turn 46 next Wednesday, I think next Wednesday. And it's so weird. I've been telling my people all year I'm 46 and it just dawned on me in the last few weeks that I'm just turning 40. So I'm 45 today. <laughs> love it. Love it. And where do you yeah. reside with your family? Yeah. So we uh, live, I tell people Chicago, um, but we are actually about 75 miles west of the city out in the cornfields. Um, I grew up in a little town called Dixon, Illinois, um, and actually Dixon, Illinois inspired the town of Bradford's Ferry in the book very much. Um, and uh, and so we moved back out here. Uh, my wife and I sort of did a life overhaul in 2015, and we moved out here from the Chicago suburbs, changed our vocations a little bit, and uh, we've been we've been living the country life ever since, and we're loving it. Mm, and how many years have you been married? So you got married in 01. Um, about uh just about a month after 9-11 which wow. created interesting travel situations for all of our guests um so uh that puts us at we were actually in hawaii for our 20th last year nice. um so we're at 21 now yeah love it dude thank you for that that's huge what a feat yeah 
And uh, how many kiddos do you guys have? We have uh, Aiden is 19. Um, Quinn is 15, boy. And then uh, Caitlin is 13. So we got we got three. Aiden uh, just graduated high school. He's been telling us since eighth grade. He has no plans to go to college. And he's good. To, he's true to his word. He nice. uh, he moved out in September, um, has a, an apartment in Chicago, um, is fully self-sufficient, working a full-time job at a Trader Joe's during the day and trying to make it as a comedian at night. So, uh, yeah, uh, we're really proud Sweet. of it. It's a, it's a terrifying, brave thing for him to be doing for sure. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. So on a total side note, we watched this show called the Goldbergs as a family. And it's like mm-hmm. set in the eighties. It's hilarious. It's really funny. And last night, the episode was about the dad trying to convince his like eighth grade son not to get into comedy. Cause he didn't understand it. And he was just yeah. like worried about his life. But it's based on a true family, uh, like like real stories. So then at the end, they show a clip of the actual son from the 80s on stage at school, like bombing comedy. And, and then there's like an arrow that says, my dad in the front row supporting me and also scared for my future. That's um, right. That's right. <laughs> I, thank you for the recommendation. We're always looking for a new show to watch as a family. That's awesome. It's it's pretty good. Yeah. I feel like you yeah. like 80s stuff. It's really, it's funny. Totally. Yeah. Um, awesome. So three kids. Mm-hmm. older you know your youngest is 13 so you're in this middle school soon to be high school stage but you are an expert on that now uh, except now you got yeah. a girl going through it so it's again very, there's always different something with a girl yeah totally. that's right mm-hmm. yep and then we've already talked about you're an author but for i hate this question because men ask what do you do for <laughs> a living but i yeah. ask it because i want men to know that if you sell insurance and have a fatherhood podcast mm-hmm. you still plunge toilets and you still go to your kids right. uh, school to talk to their principal and so although right. you're an author and other things that you know what do you do uh, you also have to do those things fatherhood's a level playing field so that's why i mm-hmm. ask what is it that you mm-hmm. do to provide for the family yeah um, that has changed a lot for me, uh, especially in the last year. So um, trained as a clinical psychologist, graduated, uh where I met my wife um, in uh, 1999, graduated from there in 2005 with a PhD in clinical psychology, um, opened up my own therapy practice in 2015, and uh, had built it to four full-time therapists um, as of the beginning of this year. And the universe just, or God, or whatever you want to call it, just started to rearrange things and uh, and we just started to to discern that it was time to let go of that mm. and uh, um, so now um, I, I do online coaching for entrepreneurs um, individually and, and the, the, with them and their spouses and I write books and that's and I speak uh, I just got back from a great speaking event in Dallas last weekend had a blast 250 women Christmas event called worthy it was wonderful wow. um, and so it's a little bit of everything right now and that too is a little bit sort of scary to be doing something totally, you know, it's like for 20 years, your identity is a psychologist and that's where all of your revenue is coming from. And to let that go has been a challenge, but sort of once you see the call, if you don't respond to it, hard to look yourself in the mirror, you know? Mm -hmm. So that's, that's what I'm up to these days. How many men do you think are out there not responding to a call that they have felt for a while? That's a great question. There's and what would your recommendation be yeah. to those dudes right now who are listening to this? There's a lot of them. You know, I think one of the things is I talk to guys, so guys don't typically read fiction. 
right? Um, and so a lot of guys are reading The Unhiding of Elijah Campbell and really resonating with it. And I think one of the things, one of the themes in the book that really resonates is the burden that, that a husband and a father feels to make sure that they're paying the bills, that they're, mm-hmm. that they're doing something that's bringing in reliable income. And, and so there's this tremendous burden on that. And they, there's also this awareness, there's these other things I want to be doing. If I could just, if I could just get the free time, if I could just get the space to do it. Um, so I think there's a, my heart is for, for men who are carrying that burden of provision for their family, um, and feeling like that has to come at the expense of this other thing that they're interested, they're feeling called to, they're feeling a passion for. Um, I, I love to see, uh, I love to see men who are figuring out how to, to bridge into that, dabble with that, give it some oxygen, just give it a little bit of space. That's what I did. I started writing on on my blog in 2012, right? And Mm -hmm. um, always had a dream of writing a novel and it took 11 years um, to do it in a way that I felt like I was reliably providing for my family, um, but not forsaking this passion of mine. So it takes time. But um, if there's a guy listening to this, who's who's feeling like that, speaking to them, um, it doesn't have to be an all or nothing thing. You know, um, it just, you just need to fan that flame a little bit and see where the fire goes, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think, I think there's a lot of us though, that are sort of carrying that quietly. I love just in a, in a way how simple you made it is just go create some space for it. You mm-hmm. know, you don't have to have yeah. it figured out, just go create some space which is hard to do in our lives. Like you will have to fight for that. You know, mm-hmm. you'll have to fight yes. for that space. That's really good. Mine started Friday mornings from about 5 a.m. till 7.30 a.m. on Fridays at first. And now it's it's uh, up to about four mornings a week. So, Yeah, it's incredible. Man, incredible. Um, when you think about the role of the father, you've hit a lot of stages already um, in your role. What would you describe the role of the father as? So... I think about this. So, uh, lovable came out in 2017 and, uh, I was asked to sort of run a, a weekend retreat around lovable in 2018. And I'll never forget. It was after the, the first morning session and, um, we were driving to lunch or something, a few of us guys. And, uh, one of the guys said, um, I was trained to believe that a man isn't afraid of anything. Um, but I'm starting to realize it's not that a man isn't afraid of anything around him. It's that he's unafraid of anything within him. There's mm-hmm. nothing within himself that he's unwilling to face and to hold space for and to experience. And and I feel like um, more and more I'm getting clarity that my role is, the, I think my role as a father, I thought my role as a father is to fix, usher them from point A to point B, be in charge. And more and more, I think it's just to be able to hold space for their experience of life, you know, uh, to be able to sort of, because when, when they bring life to me, it stirs up all sorts of junk in me. Right. Mm-hmm. We had this happen twice last night where my son was deeply painfully affected by something that happened from an authority figure at school yesterday. And he got in the car and he was undone and I'd never seen him like that. And all of the things that came up in me, I mean, the first thing was anxiety, what happened mm-hmm. to him and how do I, how do I get this to stop? How do I get him to feel better? Um, you know, the, the next thing is he started to share what happened was, um, anger, 
at the person who did it and just wanting to act and yeah, yeah. make that person feel as bad as they'd made my, my son feel. Um, and then there was some shame of like, maybe we just need to like um, capitulate to what, the, what the person was telling my son he needed to do. Um, there was just all of these emotions and, and if in that moment I make it about my emotions and trying to get rid of them or make them feel better, then it's suddenly not about his emotions. Right. And so I found myself in that moment, just saying like, be there for him. Um, and so the, 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 the outward action and trying to, so managing all my stuff was just, Hey dude, just cry in there. Keep, get this all out. Hmm. Like, don't, don't let this get stuck in you. Like just feel this all the way until it's out. And, uh, and then we'll talk, we'll talk about what to do, you know, sort of at that point. Um, and I never really had anybody that I, I, if that had happened to me, what happened to him yesterday when I was 15, that would have gotten bottled in. It would have been stuck in there and I'm 45, 30 years later and it would still be stuck in there. Right. Um, and so just the, the space for our kids to feel life and, and to hold that space for them and be able to bear witness to it and not feel like I have to do anything to it, but just be there with them in that. Like, that's, that's where I'm at as a dad right now. If I can do that, manage my own stuff so that I can do that for them. I think it's a win. Hmm. Man, that's really beautifully said an amazing approach. And when you have your own feelings come up of reaction, whatever that looks like, Mm -hmm. what are you doing inside yourself so that you process those four or five um, reaction Mm -hmm. opportunities to then hold space to just be present for what it is your kid may need. Because yeah. uh, I'm going to give you an example. That's like, right. dude, I just, right. this the other day, you know, something happened with my kid. My kid got uh, in an altercation with another kid mm-hmm. and, and um, my mm-hmm. meet, I did well there, but I didn't do well in another scenario um, mm-hmm. talking to the dad. And I reacted really quick and I called mm-hmm. the dad and I'm like, Hey, why did you basically like, why did you do this? And then I just look like a dummy because I was incorrect mm-hmm. in my approach. Um, mm-hmm. and, and after the call, I tell my wife, I'm like, damn it. I wish I would have given myself like five more minutes mm-hmm. to just yes. think about it or think through the scenario before I was like, I need to call this guy right now. Yes, that is. So, uh, one of the things, one of my big takeaways from our last front row dad's gathering is that when I'm feeling like speed is usually not my friend in these mm, situations. Yes. Right. Yes. Like if I'm feeling a, an urge to speed up and get something done, it's usually a protective mechanism saying, I want to take control so I don't have to feel this anymore or so yep. that you don't have to, because I love you and I don't want you to feel terrible. Right. Um, and I almost always regret speeding up. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, I wanted to actually turn around and go back to the school and probably get my butt kicked because, <laughs> because the person's a lot bigger than me, but I wanted to go back and do something about yeah. it right away. Yeah, totally. So there's number one, there's, I think the, the power of awareness, the power of watching your reactions rather than acting quickly on them. And just, uh, you know, it's a, it's sort of like you're trying to hold space for your kid, but you got to hold space for yourself first. You mm-hmm. have to just be, you're not trying to get those emotions to go away. You're just refusing to act on them and being and sitting with them. You know, I think it's part of it. I think, you know, body work, breath work, trying to open up that closed tight feeling that's starting to descend as all those feelings are kicking in, you know, trying to just uh, 
to, to use the body to, to loosen up and let your own feelings flow and go. Um, I think that's part of it. But I mean, I think you just nail it right off the bat. I think you nailed the most important things. Just don't act, don't act. And, and, and what it turned out for us was it was an, an email later in the night to, to yeah. sort of, um, and an, and an email that didn't attack, but an email that just named who our kid was and who he is and affirmed him mm-hmm. and allowed the other person to, um, to get on board with that narrative and uh and, and to this person's credit i gotta tell you um move my wife to tears his response uh, wow. how how open and receptive he was so it's had a really nice um i won't say resolution that sounds too tidy but it's uh, it has a nice arc to what happened but man mm-hmm. if i'd started reacting right away mm-mm. right you're just like throwing fuel on the fire that's right that's right yeah something i really been thinking about so i don't know if this will be reson- resonate with anybody but I think that what I'm finding is like the situation with my son or the situation with my daughter or whatever other situations have happened the last week, I could name like 10 as probably every other dude on here could, right? right? So it's not like, oh, poor me, my life is hard. But I think part of the issue is looking at my own schedule is that I hit like decision fatigue and patience fatigue by like three or four so it's not even that the one-off instances, like if I told, like I had to call a friend the other night because I responded so poorly to my 10-year-old daughter mm-hmm. that I felt shame about it. And again, yeah. from reading your book and some other things, I'm trying to be vulnerable and not just look like I've got my mm-hmm. shit together. So I'm, I'm there's like some people I'm whatever talking to just to, mm-hmm. to admit, you know? Yeah, good. So... But but I'm realizing it's not so much the instant is that I'm trying to do so many other things that I'm there is no space. The cup is too freaking full. So I don't know if that resonates with anybody, but because it's like, okay, well, my trigger is this and I'm going to take five minutes and do 15 pushups and do. okay, great. But there's probably like a lot of other things Mm -hmm. you might need to think about, too, to even be in a position to do that. So if that's helpful, It, it certainly is. And I think like I think part of the thing that's helpful for me is to think like like what's your inner pace right now right like uh, and yeah. and, the, and the busier you are and the more you're having to like crank out the the reality is your inner pace is picking up your physio- physiologically actually uh more adrenaline is flowing um your your cognitions are moving more quickly and and so like i actually and so here i mean in, in total honesty, here's the, here's the opposite. This is the, this is the, this is the dad fail of the week with him, which I think maybe by the way, the way I repaired it helped to sort of create some safety for, for last night. But, um, he gets in the car Monday morning, pulls out of his book bag and energy drink, cracks it, puts it in the cup holder next to me. I see 200 milligrams on the top of it. And I'm like, he took me 200 milligrams of caffeine first thing in the morning. He's like, you used to drink Mountain Dews. And I'm like, they were like 50 milligrams. You're drinking like four Mountain Dews, which means you're going to have four more at lunch in order to kind of stave off the crash from this, you know, uh, like you can't do this. And I totally went into control mode, mm. totally went in, gets out of the car, reaches for his drink. And I'm like, nope. And I yank it from him. Right. Which the outcome of this is going to be two things. <laughs> um, number one, I can't actually, he's 15. He's got his own cash. He can right. get access to as much caffeine as he wants. So I can't actually control. It's an illusion I'm using in the moment to make myself mm. feel a little bit better. Yep. Yep. Right? Number one. And number two, it's going to drive him into hiding. He's going to just go out and get his caffeine and not tell me about it. Um, and so I've actually like, I've pushed him further away with that. And, um, and so, yeah, we have responsibility as parents to 
kind of like guide our kids health. Um, and so where's the middle ground on that? Um, all of that to say, I actually had the thought when I got in the car with him, cause I just had a conversation with my wife that had been triggering to me and I could feel my inner speed picking up. Uh-huh. I could feel like wanting yes. to like have, have a faster conversation with her. I actually said to myself, getting in the car, be careful. You're going to want to control something. And he brought out, popped it 200 milligrams and I did it anyways, right? Because I was already moving too fast, even though I was aware of it. So I think we can set ourselves up for success by saying, how are you tailoring your, your life and your schedule to a certain inner speed mm-hmm. so that you don't, uh, you don't have to speed up so much to meet the demands of your calendar and your schedule that you're just moving too fast by the time you get to these important moments with your family, you know? Yes. Um, and now, I, and I'm also aware a lot of us don't have like, oh, great, Dr. Kelly, nice. You get to tailor your life to your own inner speed. I get that. Um, but I would also say, like, set that as your five year goal, right? Starting to tailor your, tailor your life so that you can have a certain inner speed. Like, don't feel like you need to do it overnight. Um, start the work now and set yourself up for success down the road. Yes. And I agree with you that I have also felt that pain of like, okay, yes, you, you are an entrepreneur and can set your own schedule, whatever. But I think most of us have a bit more control than we think. Uh, you could watch a few less shows. You could get up and work out. You could do some things. That's right. There's time. There's time in the day. And, and, and agreed, mm-hmm. you know, maybe you're not going to figure it out tomorrow, but I'm constantly revamping my schedule. God, every yes. three to six months, yeah. I'm like, dude, you're off track. Fig-, you know, it's like tweaks and it's going to take our whole lives. So this is like going to yeah. be our whole lives of tweaking this. Um, just it's so a, I don't. It's a nice. It's nice. Yeah. What a, what a great goal, though, that and you just said it, I think by four or five o'clock, you're sort of cooked. Right. Which is yeah. like, I want I want to design my day as, as much as I possibly can so that by a I'm still going at an inner pace where I can accommodate, you know, the disasters of familyhood, you know, which always come up. I think that's a great goal. Yes. And we talk about it with our team for our business is what's your energy when you come in in the morning? What's your energy when you leave? And I Mm. try to pay attention to it. If I'm sending my people home at fours at the end of the day, they're going to suck as husbands and wives and parents. Mm. So I, I think that if you pay attention to that, go home at an eight, go home at a seven at the lowest so that you don't, you know, and and if there's a reason why you're showing up at a four or five, then I'm doing my job wrong as a leader Mm -hmm. to make sure you can go be a good, good to your family. Um, I just want to share this sentence. Your answer to the role was beautiful, but this sentence like moved my soul. What you wrote in the Google sheet for the role of father Mm -hmm. is you said, raise kids to leave, to embark on their own adventure and to look forward to coming home. I just thought like even as I say it yes. out loud if you really <laughs> think about it you're you're preparing I mean there's so much said right there you're preparing your kids to go off mm-hmm. and live their own lives which is whew, that's already hard but mm-hmm. then you've created enough stability and safety mm-hmm. that there isn't a bunch of baggage when they're mm-hmm. like let's go home for Thanksgiving and I know that there will be something, but if we could have the low, low impact on that, meaning that my kids yeah. pumped to come home for Thanksgiving and bring their own kids and their spouse, that means I didn't leave them with so much baggage. Mm. That's so, I, I forgot that I filled out that form. Uh, <laughs> and I'm sure I, 
I'm sure I filled it out. Yeah, like right as we were on the verge of Thanksgiving, Aiden coming home for the first time, mm, uh, you know, in yeah. in two months since he moved out. Uh, we'd seen him a couple times in the city, but he for coming home for the first time and it was really expressing excitement about coming home. And it's like that, it's that delicate balance of if home is too comfortable for a kid, uh, they're, they're, you're going to, you're going to. I, I remember I was doing I was doing a parenting series uh, locally where I, where my practice was located, and uh, we we were in our final uh, night of the series, and we were talking about launching kids, and and I just asked the participants. I said, "Well, why did you leave home?" And they all said, "Oh, it's so annoying to be at home. My mm. parents were a pain in the butt. They were, you know, this and this." And I said, "Do you realize we've spent the last seven weeks talking about how to make life comfortable for your kids?" And so we might be talking about how to keep them stuck at home, you know? Um, and, and so there needs to be, there needs to be a little bit of that tension, that abrasion mm. with our kids that, that, that they're going to say, leaving will be worth it, right? There's going to be some benefits to not being around mom and dad anymore. But how do you do that while also kind of letting them know? And when you come back, it's like, you're going to get a bit of an oasis from the storm. Like you're going to get to be a kid again with a parent yes. who's here caring for you. And yeah, like that's what I'm hoping for. Mm. Man, it can like bring me to tears because my oldest is a junior and it's like, I'm starting to see this coming. And like mm. when you said Aiden's coming home and thinking about her coming home, there's going to be a time where she's not here. Dude, it's tough. It's tough. Um, but I love what you yes. said. Like you don't want to make it so comfortable that they're just here. Like there's got this mm-hmm. tension and I think as a father, you're, you really can, you have so much power as a dad, first off, but you can help hold that tension in place and be okay with it. And that's something that I'm just yes. learning is to stop trying to control all these little things that happen daily, whether it's too comfortable or not comfortable enough, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, that's right. So this podcast is called... Uh, fatherhood field notes and we're doing it right. You're opening up your life, sharing it with us, but the mantra behind it is rebel and create. And the idea for this is it could be applied to something small. Like I'm rebelling against, you know, uh, working after five so that I can be present for my kids. Um, or it's like, I'm rebelling against, you know, what it means to be a man because of what my dad told me or my uncle told me, or my grandfather told me so that I can create X, Y, or Z. So when you hear the words rebel and create, what's something you're rebelling against? And what do you hope to create out of that? Mm. I'm very curious about what I wrote. What I wrote. Okay, so I'm going to tee you up on this then. So tee me up on it. Uh, I... You talked about re- and because I think this is one powerful for me. I think it's powerful because I think the book speaks to this. Mm-hmm. And I think if that's the case, then it, it's something that other men need to hear. And that you said you're rebelling mm-hmm. against uh, the voice in your head. Um. Mm-hmm. And then you wanted to create stories that transport and transform people. But I don't know if the mm-hmm. voice in your head reminds you of what that meant to you. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, and it sort of goes back to our earlier question about, um, you know, fathers who can, can also can be fathers, can, can be providers and also live out their, their passions. Um, you had a, you had a really powerful, um, I think it was you let you you spoke at or you led on one of the FRD calls. Um, the idea of you know you know how our kids are going to end up doing what they love with their lives if they see dads who are doing what what they love, right? Mm-hmm. If we model that for them um, and invite them into it, 
and invite them into the joy and the excitement of getting to do what we love. Um, so um, at the FRD retreat in uh, in April in Nashville, we did a breathwork exercise. Um, and during that exercise, I had what I can't, what I, I'm not sure if it is a memory or um, sort of like a visual depiction of a story I've been told. Um, but in the, in the, in the memory or story, I'm three or four years old and I'm in my childhood bedroom and I've taken all the books on the shelf out of the, uh, the shelf and I've laid them out all over my room to my favorite part of the story. So I can go and read all my favorite parts of every story right in a row. Like pretty, pretty cool. Right. Love it. Yeah. So yes, cool. my dad walks in at this pivotal moment where I'm about to start reading and he says, it's time for dinner pick up all of your books. And I say, no, (laughs) I just got them to this point. I don't want to put them away. And he says, well, if you want to have dinner, if you want to eat tonight, you've got to put your books away. And my dad has told this story as a sort of one of his, his parenting triumphs where he sort of broke the cult, you know? And, uh, and in the story that I've heard, I don't put them away and I don't get to eat dinner. I go to bed hungry. But I wake up and he wakes up in the morning and the books are away because apparently I decided I got to eat breakfast, right? Or maybe, I don't know, maybe I read my favorite parts. And I'm like, I got it my way. And now, yeah. you know, <laughs> and either way, I'm really a stubborn little kid um, in a way that I sort of love. I'm, in, 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 as I'm having that memory or that recollection, I'm realizing that there was a dichotomy sort of set up for me that is untrue. Either you can have your stories, your writing, or you can eat. Mm. right you can either mm. cultivate your passion for books and for reading or you can go out and earn a buck and make money and eat right and i want to rebel against that false dichotomy that's what i want to do with my life i want to rebel against that and say no we can we can pay the bills right and we can do the things that we're passionate about those two things can happen at the same time um so that voice in my head that says uh actually it's an image actually it's an image this is, it happens all the time. I picture myself, I, I die early for some reason in this image. And my family is sitting around at like Christmas, like my three kids and my wife. And they're talking about the life they could have had if dad didn't pretend to be an author. Mm. That's the voice in my head. That's the voice in my head. Imagine how much more you could be producing for your family if you didn't do this silly writing thing for, you know, writing doesn't produce much income for our family. Um, but one of the things I love about my wife is that she's she's just insistent. She's like, no, you have to, you have to do it, right? It's what you're it's what you're here for. So I appreciate that support. But I'm re- rebelling against that idea that you can't do what you love and still still pay the bills. So when you share that, um, I know as a man, what's so important to me is my identity, like knowing who mm-hmm. I am. So mm-hmm. w- would you say that? Yeah. You're you're talking about passion, and I think sometimes when we mm-hmm. talk about our passion, we talk mm-hmm. about um, like, oh, well, I, I'm really passionate about surfing or golf or mm-hmm. my family or whatever. Okay, yeah. But when I hear you say this, uh, I think it's easy since you are easy. Sorry, I don't want people to get lost in the scenario that you're an author and it's what you do. But it's tying mm. to who you are. Your identity is to transform, right? Because to create, you said, I want to create stories that mm. transport and trans. Uh, that's who yes. you are. Transport and transform people. And so this right. this rebellion is almost against not being Dr. Kelly Flanagan or just yeah. 
Kelly. Let's just say Kelly. Cause I think even with that, sometimes I've been thinking about like when I say I am, you know, like you talk about God saying I am, uh, to say I am Ned, there's no yes. other Ned. When I say I'm Ned, right? There's probably right. 185 year old men who could say their name is Ned, <laughs> but there's just one <laughs> this Ned. When I say Ned yes. Shout, that ties me to a whole nother slew of whatever Shout means. Mm-hmm. And then for you, Doctor ties you to something. So mm-hmm. for you to say I am Kelly, mm-hmm. or for me to say I am Ned, I think that is what you're talking about right here. I'm not trying to put words in your mouth. I want other men to understand to be themselves. That's the rebellion. Yes. Yes. Well, and if you could, like, if you could, here's the definition of passion. Uh, you know, I told you, like, we'll, we'll say things I've never said before, but here's the definition of passion for mm. you. The next thing I'm feeling called to do that scares the heck out of me. Um, and Stephen Pressfield would say, the more that it scares you, the more important it is to your soul's evolution. Whoa. Right. The more mm. important it is to you discovering more and more about who you actually are mm. and have been from the beginning. Right. And so a passion is just that thing I really want to do. And it scares me and it probably scares me because I'm going to become more me in the process. And it's really important. Dude, yeah. that is real. Mm. Mm. And that's like, so, because I think there's a danger in saying, you know, we throw the word passion around. It's like, well, how do you turn your passion into a paycheck and all this stuff? And it's like, no, man, like passion for me is waking up at 5 a.m. on a Friday morning and just like a sense like I'm going to become more me as I do this thing today, which is why it's so scary. Like, because if it doesn't happen, <laughs> what does that mean about me? You know, mm-hmm. if I come to the end of my evolution, is this all all there is, you know? Um, so no, I think, uh, I think that that's, if there's, if there's guys listening to this, the the question is, what's the thing that just the next thing you want to do, make, or be, uh, that is calling to you. And it was a little scary. (sighs) I hope I know. I mean, this is speaking to me. I hope this is speaking to others. And it's something I've been thinking about lately is how we all need that tension of discomfort, like as men. And so if we're not pursuing this thing that scares us because there's something welling inside us, then we're probably putting other things in our lives that create a a negative Mm -hmm. tension that are scary Mm -hmm. or whatever that aren't really helping us be a better version of our, not a better, I even hate that term, not helping me to continue to pursue myself, which is what those around me need and who I need. Um, That's right. Yeah. uh, Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like. Yeah, it's it's more about coming home to yourself than becoming some improved version of yeah. yourself. Like it's a it's a returning to to the fullness of who you are rather than crafting a, a something that needs to be better. Yeah, yeah, and that's part of the beauty of life is discovering who you are. And and I mean, part of my joy is like when you pursue your wife and discover who she is and get to know her. There's this depth of, oh, it's so good. But if we're not doing it for ourselves, then there's less of those moments where it feels so good to connect with my wife and get to know her. Um, uh, okay, I got to ask one last question. Sure. And then and then I'll ask my final because I know we're coming to the top of the hour here. Talk to me about like, I don't know where I heard this statement. Might have been on yeah. the form, but you said father the little kid inside of ourselves. Um, Mm. and so if you could just, you know, like I'm trying to learn how to be a father to a 16 year old, how to be a father to, you know, all five Mm. of my kids. Um, 
and then also father myself. What just talk to me about what that means for a minute. I think that, that was really helpful. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll give you an example. Um, well, I guess broadly, just to say, um, I think I think that I think the best training ground for learning how to parent our kids is learning how to to father ourselves. Um, you know, the the book Hiding of Elijah Campbell, my novel, starts out with um, the past is behind us, but it is also always within us. I love that statement. Right? Yes we are very much like one of those Russian dolls where you take the head off the big one. And then, you know, we are, we are various versions of ourselves. Um, that little boy who took all the books out. Right. And didn't want to give up his stories to eat dinner. He's still inside of me. And um, I, I need to, I need to know how to sort of um, take his hand and walk through life with him. Right. And if I can do it for my three-year-old and for four-year-old boy inside of me, then I'll be able to do it for my four-year-old son. And if I can do it for the 16-year-old in me, I'll be able to do it for my 16-year-old. Um, and so I think that the, the training ground and the practice for learning how to abide with our kids is really kind of abiding with that, that younger version of us. I have, I, I this is going to, this might sound wacky to some folks without us going into more depth about what I mean by all of this, but um I think it was like the last time I was going on uh, to to talk at an FRD summit or something. I was super anxious, and I was like, "Why am I anxious?" Like, I'm, I know this is going to be fun. These guys are great. We're gonna have a blast. And I I realized it's not me anxious. It's it's the kid in me that's anxious. Uh. Who's he's like he's like we're gonna do what? <laughs> yeah. We're gonna go talk to 110 guys online, and they're gonna list like we know what we're talking about. It's like. Dude, yeah, that's what we're gonna do, man. Uh, like I've I've done a lot of these talks now. Um, I promise you, you're in good hands. Would you get up there and do that with me? And uh, I, I, you're gonna have fun. I actually promise you, you have fun. Would you go go have some fun with me? Like actually, like mentoring that part of us into the rest of our lives with us, um, helping. Like, yeah, you're anxious. I get it. This is a scary thing. Let's go try it together. Um, I I think that's where I think that's where the tenderness comes from. I think that's where the compassion comes from, the capacity to abide with our kids' experiences and not just immediately try to fix them. Um, it's that practice we do for ourselves to manage those those emotions and experiences for the younger parts of us. Mm. What a what a healthy thing for us to be able to have those conversations in our head with with mm. other versions of ourselves and be okay with that version of myself. Um, mm. Something that I've been doing, just on the reverse of that, in a sense is sometimes I'll imagine if I'm nervous to see you or someone, I'll imagine that we're both five years old on the playground. So it's almost like I go to my five-year-old self who's like telling my 39-year-old self, I don't give a shit about his car or what his clothes are or what shirt he's wearing. You don't even care about his name. You just want to play. And I, in some instances, I'm trying to be that five-year-old who's like, dude, work doesn't matter that much at this exact moment, like you'll be okay. Let's go play. And I love that when we can access that younger version of us that, that sort of somehow existed before. Like give him a voice. too. Yeah. Yeah. Yo, absolutely. I don't, I don't know. I actually don't know if our adult self knows how to play. Like sometimes I say, uh, so you were a child at some point you started to pick up pain from life we all do Mm -hmm. and then what we call adulthood is our ways of coping with the pain 
right? So, so adults don't know how to play very well. They know how to numb. They know how to distract. They know how to, if you want to learn how to play, you got, you got to get connected to that part of you that was, was built for play that younger part of you. That's such a great example of doing Mm -hmm. that. Thank you for sharing that. Well, because I can think of sixth grade where all of a sudden the brand of your shoe or the brand of your shirt mattered. So then now when I go play, I look at what you're wearing because that has some areas, boundaries. And since I said at the beginning, my securities control and judgment, that's where the judgment comes in. Mm -hmm. It's like I learned to play and not get my feelings hurt because I didn't know these pants. I couldn't play with you in these Mm -hmm. pants because they're Mm -hmm. white, right? I mean, real scenario in sixth grade. Like, oh my God, everyone's laughing at me because I wore like, so you have these things where you stop allowing that five-year-old to just right. show up on the playground. Um, I love God. your, I love your capacity to access that part of you and manifest it, man. Thank you for sharing that. It's awesome. uh, this is new and this is me trying to do this on here <laughs> so that I'm right on. more Ned. Um, all right, love my it. friend, my last question, legacy question, imagine 25, let's say 30 years from right now, you are standing Mm. in a cul-de-sac, peering into the homes of your children. Your daughter's 33 now, right? 30 years from now. Um, Your kids, maybe they're married, maybe they're not. But what do you see when you look into their homes? What do you see happening? And it's, you know, that, uh, Mm. that the Kelly who showed up every day played a role in that. The way you asked that question uh, brought to me a totally different answer that makes me more emotional than what I might have said. Um, I'm looking in the window and I'm seeing them all genuinely laugh together. Mm. Um, I This was a couple weeks ago. Uh, it was a late at night. My brain was fried on nine o'clock on like a Monday night and I'm in brushing my teeth and I hear like just my l- wife no, it was my kids laughing uproariously, uproariously at my wife as she's like sort of freaking out, but not really. You know, mm-hmm, I know there's mm-hmm. something going on. So I go out and my son is sort, sort of pigeon-toed um, and he freaks my wife out when he starts to bend them like further and further <laughs> out. She's like, you're going to ruin your feet. You're going to break yeah, them. Yeah. So he's standing in front of her, just teasing her by making them go further out. My daughter's getting a kick out of it. And then it just led to this like series of jokes and teasing mm-hmm. each other and laughing. And, and I was standing there with my toothbrush still in my hand and toothpaste in my mouth. And I'm like, man, all my kids want to do is just laugh. They just want to laugh with me. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and you can't always laugh, but when you ask me to look in the window, it's warm in there. It's there's, you know, the lights are on in there. They're sort of sitting around the, the, the dining room table. Dinner is done. The plates are cleaned, but they're, they're not, they're not getting up yet because everyone's having fun laughing and enjoying the conversation in each other like that is what i'd hope to see in my kids homes um and you asking me that question right now clarifies that for me in a way that that sets a vision for me and so i'm grateful for it Mm. it's beautiful how a picture like that can help me know how i need to show up today and tomorrow Mm -hmm. and it's so easy Mm -hmm. for our priorities to shift um and so uh Mm. thank you Thank you, Dr. Kelly, for your time today. Thank you for the work that you're doing. Thank you for this new book and the the continuing to rebel against that voice in your head that mm-hmm. is telling you not to do the next one or put the next thing out there, or whatever that looks like. Not the yeah. pressure to be Dr. Kelly writing a great novel, but to create stories that are inside of you. Let them out. 
Um, thanks for loving your wife well. Thanks for loving your kids well. Mm-hmm. And thanks for letting the world um, view into your life and see it openly and honestly mm-hmm. so that we can all grow. Um, where can people learn more about you and your books mm-hmm. and the work you do? Yeah. So, yeah, my website is drkellyflanagan.com, drkellyflanagan.com. Um, it's a great place to go. You can you can get the free lovable mini course and get on my email list and get a free blog post once a month. Um, unhidingbook.com is the, the book page for the book. Um, unhidingbook.com, find out more about it, find out places you can buy. You can get it anywhere, paperback, uh, digital or audio. Um, and uh, and yeah, we'd just love to have you sort of uh, follow along with the, the storytelling that I'm doing. It would be a real real blessing. Mm, Love it. Thank you again, my friend. And I look forward to um, just getting to do life with you a bit more. Thank you, Ned. Until next time. Wow. What another incredible conversation. I so enjoyed getting to spend time with Dr. Kelly Flanagan. I highly encourage you, please right now, go to Amazon, buy The Unhiding of Elijah Campbell, get the audio version, get the paperback version, start to read it get two copies. You're going to want to give one away. Kelly is making impact in the world through telling stories. Go buy his book, read it. It'll create space for you. And then write a review on Amazon to help spread the word, to help his stories get in front of more men, more human beings who are looking to uncover who they are so they can better show up for those around them. Thank you to all you dads out there listening to Rebel and Create's Fatherhood Field Notes podcast, What You Do Matters. Don't be like everybody else. Be yourself. That is who your kid, spouse, and community needs. This is your guide, Ned Shout. Together, let's rebel against the view that fatherhood has little impact and create lives engaged in mastering the craft of fatherhood. I look forward to hanging out with you next time. <laughs>